So, Will. Yes? As in many a romantic film, the lead in this movie works in media. Print media, no less. Print media. She is a writer for a magazine. So I'm curious, if you were to be the head writer for a specific part of a magazine, what would you choose to write about? And you can't say film criticism. I was about to say, obviously, I would want to be the film critic. That's a Um, bit too obvious based off of the show we are currently recording. Okay. So in that case, I think that I would want to have, like, a page where I got to do, like, a weird local history thing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because you get to do fun stuff. I always liked, when I was growing up, the Washington Post had a section where a local historian would talk about weird stuff in the history of Washington. That's where I first learned about the Boundary Stones. When they established the District of Columbia, they actually marked the border with these stones that they put across the borders at regular intervals. Fiona lives really close to the northernmost one. Yeah. Also, the Washington Post, when I was growing up, I read the newspaper comics all the time. And on Sundays in the color comics, there was a series called Flashbacks, which was like newspaper comics telling history stuff, which was kind of interesting to me too. So maybe I could also, as head of this little history division of the local magazine, get somebody to do our local version of something like that. That actually sounds like a really cool segment. Or section. Yeah, thank you. They hire me. <laughs> uh, let me start a quick magazine. I hear the market's booming. So based off of our show, I was thinking it could be fun to do a wedding dress criticism column. I love I that. Just oh, yes. Look through wedding dress magazines and judge all of the dresses. It is weird how much you and I over the years have like become fashion critics on this show. Yeah, I mean, when you watch movies this much, you start to get attuned to fashion, I feel, no matter what I you want. I once saw 27 dresses in one movie. <laughs> and it builds up such a level of comparison. And I mean, fashion is incredibly important, just like as a concept in world history. So obviously it applies. Yeah, I saw The Devil Wears Prada. It applies to movies a lot. So it really unsurprises me that it comes up, but I think specifically doing wedding dresses sounds like a very fun column. Yeah, that's awesome. Granted, I have no reason or any sort of like justification for why I should be writing this. I thought when you invoked the podcast that you were going to say that you would run like a date lab kind of thing. That could also be fun. I haven't read a date lab in so long. I wonder if they're are still they running doing it. These they days? are. They're doing virtual date lab. That's so much less interesting. Yeah, it really is because most of the people are like, "Oh, it's hard to tell if there's a spark over the computer." So then it's just like at the end, no further contact. You don't get any. For those of you who like, don't know. Yeah, go ahead. For those of you who don't know, the Washington Post magazine has a feature called Date Lab where people can like fill out a profile and submit it, and then the post will send two people on a date and the exchanges they just like have to write about it and submit it to the magazine Here's and it's the, the best one nice thing with the virtual date lab is that they get to pick whatever food they want to order so like they're not sending you to some restaurant where you might not like any of the food fiona what would you want to be in charge of in our magazine yeah i can i do uh the picky eaters guide to the city this is an excellent idea that is a great idea i mean you already run a chicken tender blog so isn't that the same thing basically that could be the uh, like that could be a magazine the picky eaters guide yeah it could be maybe i'll do that just pick the blandest food in the (laughs) city it's not all bland (laughs) the least offensive food in the city sure Fiona's little, like, editor's note 
at the start of every issue is called Kids Meal for Grownups. Oh, I like that. Guys, I came up with a new uh, tagline, um, and it's for a mac and cheese blog, and it's called Cheese Louise. You already barely maintain your chicken tender blog. It's been a pandemic. I haven't been going to restaurants. I have ordered many a tender to my I know. Apartment. I feel like bad reviewing chicken that like isn't fresh out of the oven though so like it's always a little bit cold by the time i eat it i mean this is a like just a new category to judge based on is how good it holds up in delivery you could even review old places like let us know how their chicken tenders hold up to being delivered versus i'm eating more tenders than i did in normal life because i'm just like ordering food that i feel safe like, I don't want to take a risk on new food when I'm already also paying for delivery. Yeah, I, I have a couple that I'm planning on reviewing. I just haven't done it yet. Well, get on it, Fiona. <laughs> At your service. Anyway, so that's our magazine. In this episode, we will probably barely talk about theirs. Oh, I think we will have to because it appears to make li- very little sense. It, you know what? That is fair. But it does match the movie that it's in. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this movie. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This is an investigative podcast. We would be the like serious side of the movie romance magazine because we'd be doing the deep investigative work trying to figure out if Hollywood holiday romance makes any sense. And if snowmance is better than nomance. And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or a cougar lady dating an 18-year-old snowboy, which is something we need to acknowledge. We will dig in and see what's there. And, you know, it's very important to us that we keep our word to our listeners. So every once in a while, we like to follow through on promises we made on the podcast. Like how we all covered Hot Tub Time Machine 2 without watching the first movie. A mistake. Yeah. A big one. Well, on our Christmas kiss episode three years ago, our very first Christmas episode, my sister, hashtag Fifi Fierce, told us about the then new TV movie, Snowmance. And now after a long delay, she is back with us to talk about it. Do you remember what I said about it back then? You gave us a very loose summary of the plot. And I believe that you liked it. Did I say that? I haven't listened to the Christmas kiss episode in a while, but that was the impression that I got. Hmm. It would track. Based on who you are. Mark! <laughs> How dare you? You said you liked 12 Dates of Christmas two weeks ago, and you watch it every year. And I, honestly, I would rather watch this movie. Fiona, do you like Merry Christmas? Uh, that movie? Yes. I lo- I've seen that one probably three times. Mark, have you seen Merry Christmas? I have not. Oh. <laughs> Next year. I think Christmas with a View is the worst one that I've seen. No, oh no, what, what's the, the, the High School, the high school reunion, reunion one? The High School Reunion one that we watched was probably but the worst. But what about The Spirit of Christmas? No, The High School Reunion one is worse than The Spirit of Christmas. Like, it's, oh, like I can't even ha- enjoy hate watching that one. It's just bad. No. Anyway, we're talking about Snowmance, a 2017 Ion original. So not Hallmark, not ABC Family, like last time Fiona was here. This is going into the Christmas Kiss Zone. This is an Ion original movie. You gotta love Wasn't Christmas Ion. Kiss? ABC Family? No, Christmas Kiss was Ion. Oh, God. This movie really uh, took me for a ride because <laughs> I did not know what was going to happen in this movie. And so 
About 20 minutes in, we've established this tradition of making a snowman to be her perfect man. Um, very strange. And they were doing it, and he was so clearly in love with her. And I was just like, this is very strange. So I texted Fiona, this movie is weird. And then literally, basically, as I'm typing out this text, the snowman comes to life. (laughs) And I was so shocked. I had no idea that was coming. I did not know that this movie had a weird magical element to it. And I was thrown. Because clearly this movie does not take place in our universe. Because it sounds like anytime you leave a city, it's permanent in this world. I think it's like Night Vale rules. Where anytime you try to leave, you just get like magically looped back into the city. Like that's what it sounded like to me. Here's two, two things, Mark. Is that number one, since I did give a brief summary three years ago. You should have known. Three years ago, Fiona. (laughs) Number two. I'm very glad I didn't. Let's make it clear. Many Christmas movies do have magic, so I think it's always safe to assume that there is going to be a magical aspect to a Christmas movie. This one really, like, I'm so glad I went in blind, to be honest. (laughs) Here's the thing I want us to acknowledge. The movie tells us at the beginning, the first snowman is made 18 years ago. He is clearly the same snowman year after year, which means that when the snowman turns into coal, we can only assume that coal is supposed to be 18 years old. Okay, but no, because I've thought about this a lot, and clearly the snowman has become, like, more than just her dream, because the snowman has cash. He has a bank account. He has a job that seems to actually exist. Like, does it grow higher? I think he believes it exists. I think I don't think it really exists. The entire fabric of reality has warped around this one snowman so that one woman who is already in love can fall in love. I want to know what would have happened if she had gone to Paris and had sex with this snowman. He would have melted. Like, I think that is an important consideration that the movie does not get into. Remember when he just randomly took his shirt off? (laughs) That was so weird. That was I like the part where he almost ran away in terror when he saw carrots on a plate. Oh my gosh, that was ridiculous. I liked what he said, put pressure on it after the snowman got knocked over in the park. So I think one of the things that helps make this movie make sense is that its director, Douglas Mitchell, is mostly a second unit director or assistant director on horror movies. And I feel like I get some of that. Yeah. Like, this movie is a little bit horrific. Yeah. It is a little bit horror horror-y. Hor- horror-y. So what we're saying is that I, Fiona, am not a scaredy cat because no, you this, are. a horror movie, you are absolutely a scaredy I can cat. watch. You are absolutely a scaredy cat. Mm. The writer is like a balance of horror stuff. Like he wrote some like TV, like lifetime murder movies. And he also Um, has written several. Oh, go ahead. I gotta say, I watched some Lifetime Movie Network murder movies recently. And you know, they are a lot of fun. I watched like three in a row one day. And I was never bored. And we (laughs) should cover some on this show, Will. Well, at one point. Last year for Christmas, actually, I haven't gotten around to it. Mora gave me a TV movie <laughs> that's, like, about the post office. <laughs> and it's, like, from a series of TV movies about the post office called Signed, Sealed, Delivered. And we do need to do that one as well. I think it's a Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. It is. The 
podcast, How Did This Get Made, did a Lifetime Movie Network movie called Deadly Mile High Club. And they were so thrown. And I had just started watching them. And it made me so happy to hear them talk about one. All right. You should pick one out for us. Yeah, I will try and find the best one. Maybe it'll be I Slept With My Student or (laughs) The Psycho Babysitter or another movie that just tells you the whole plot in the title. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, anyway, uh, the writer Blaine Chiapetta, in addition to writing some of those, has also written The Perfect Christmas Present, Last Vermont Christmas, The Christmas Pact, Always and Forever Christmas, and My Best Friend's Christmas. Listen to all these movies we could talk about. They all sound like they're all the same. They're just so all all the the same. same. I do always appreciate that uh, Linda Holmes at NPR every year publishes a rundown of all the new made for TV or Netflix, whatever, Christmas movies. And she has it, like, keyword searchable by common phrases, like (laughs) charming small town or lovable moppet or big city person. (laughs) That's incredible. Um, In addition to that, our lead is Ashley Newbro, who also starred in Small Town Christmas, A Merry Christmas Match, and Christmas Love Letter. I sound so judgy, but if anyone were to want to give me a job involved in Christmas movies in any way, I would take it and I would ride that gravy train because it does not seem that hard. No. Yeah, of course. And it'd be kind of fun. Like, you have to go to Winnipeg and shoot a movie, but, you know, whatever. Guys, we should write our own. We could write, we film, write and own. star in it. We can write Homo <laughs> for the Holidays. Sure. <laughs> yes. Homo for the Holidays is a Thanksgiving movie. Well, we could do a whole series. We could do a Thanksgiving movie, a Christmas movie, and a New Year's movie. I mean, it could. I mean, that actually could easily work. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great idea because these things do happen. Like the Jesse Hutch, who played Cole, also appeared in Let It Snow, Becoming Santa, A Very Vintage Christmas, Chateau Christmas, and In Love by Christmas. That's in with two N's. <laughs> and of course, Adam oh. Herdig, who played Nick, Wait. has been in One Christmas Eve, Journey Back to Christmas, A Dream of Christmas, Christmas Connection, A Shoe Addict's Christmas, Always and Forever Christmas, Radio Christmas, The Christmas Club, and Christmas at the Plaza. Wait, he was in Let It Snow? Apparently. I've seen that. Like, of all the reactions I thought I was going to get to that list, it was not, oh, I've seen that one. No, he, it's based off a book, but it was a Netflix movie from last year. I didn't recognize him. No. Well, see, snow can be molded into different shapes. I'm looking, I'm looking up who he was now. I do have to say, Nick in this movie might be the Christmas lead I've been the most attracted to. Yeah. Of any movie we've covered. He's by far the hottest of any Yeah. And I think it's because he looks like a person and not a plasticine doll. I will say, both of our leads in this movie were the people where I was most like, these are the right level of attractiveness for a TV Christmas movie. Where it's like, they are not unattractive, but also like feel like a person you could encounter in your everyday life. Right. I want to let you guys know that Mm -hmm. it's a different Let It Snow. I have not seen the one with this guy. Well, I guess you got to get on it. I guess so. Let me know how Shoe Addict's Christmas is. <laughs> Oof. Oof, that one was bad. That is a bad title. Uh, I have to say, Nick did lose some attractiveness points when he held up his iPad to take a selfie. Uh, yes. What kind of monster? <laughs> it, I will say, in this year where I have been staying at home, I was transported back to my <laughs> beloved Disney World when I saw someone taking a selfie with an iPad. <laughs> Many times. We've all seen, I feel like everyone has seen one person using their iPad camera in public, and it has just changed all of our lives. I knew someone in college who has 
an album of photos from his travels through Europe, and they are photos of tourists taking pictures on their iPads. Incredible. Fantastic. So I have very little information to give you all about Snowman's beyond everyone's Christmas credits. Snowman's has no Wikipedia page. Like with 12 Dates of Christmas, I tried finding Nielsen information and could not, in part because the Ion channel barely exists. So I don't have a lot to say besides the fact that we should talk about this weird movie in which a woman tries to have sex with an 18-year-old snowman. All right. I, I gotta say it. Like, I don't Sarah's know. I don't know about that. Because she made the first snowman not to be a boy, because she made the first snowman to be Dean P. George. Oh, Dean Georgeopolis. No, it starts with a P. Pop. Pop. Oh yeah, pop it out. Dean Popopolis. No, I think it's Dean with a D, because I remember thinking about Derek D. Metopolis, which is the name of Linda's sister's crush in a Bob's Burgers episode. I think it's you're right, Dean. Demopolis. No, or something. it's Dean Papadopoulos because I wrote down Papadopoulos because that is one of those Trump era names that has lodged itself firmly in my it brain. It is Papadopoulos. And then later on, Papadopoulos tries to buy her house, or is that someone else? No, that else? is Papadopoulos. No, he just tries to sell her house. It was weird because I watched that movie last night, and then today I watched a BoJack Horseman episode where BoJack's house was sold without warning. So it was this strange thing that kept recurring across media, and that I assume doesn't really happen. Guys, I googled Lifetime Movie Network just to see, like, what movies they have coming up. And in two days, we get Young, Stalked, and Pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Again. No, thank you. you, what, do you learn think, everything. what do you think happens in that movie? <laughs> you learn everything you need to know. It's like an 18th century novel title. You know what it reminds me of? <laughs> for- when John Mulaney has his bit about, what are three things about you? I am young, I am stalked, and I am pregnant. And I'm new in town. I will say the big twist for I slept with my student is a teacher sleeps with her student, but then he tries to kill her. Oh, wow. Oh. That did not make Isn't it into the title. Isn't that how most of those movies go? What? Yeah, it is. Isn't that how most of those movies But it didn't make it into the title. But yeah, it is that kind of like, you know, the adventures of Robinson Crusoe and his journeys to the island of such and such with the man Friday, <laughs> where he was accosted by pirates and lived several years, as told by me, Daniel Defoe. All right. Anyway, Fiona, do you want to take us through point one of this movie? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so point one. Fiona, actually, I'm going to interject now to say this was a movie I watched and I was like, wouldn't have hated a point zero here. It would have made sense. This was another time where I consciously chose as a Christmas gift to the two of you that I was not going to have a point zero, even though I really, really wanted to. I think, like, the problem is that, like, you've wasted point zeros on movies that didn't deserve it. Like, my best friend's wedding, the point zero was the first half of a conversation, and point one was the second <laughs> half of the same conversation. <laughs> like, that's the problem. Is, like, you, you have not earned the right to use point zeros because you abuse that privilege. Whereas, like, one would have made sense here. So now you're saying you want point zeros. No, I want you to use your judgment. In determining whether a point zero is necessary. (laughs) Okay. So, Fiona, do you want to talk to us about point one? Yes, I have point one, and I have named this History, Snowmen, and the Christmas Wish. I love you. I can't believe this is happening. What are you doing? Did you make me into your snow boyfriend? Okay, so this is where we find out that Nick and Sarah, and I'd just like to point out that his name is Nick because many Christmas movies have a character named Nick. I would like to point out that when I rented this from Hoopla, a streaming service (laughs) with which I now have an account, (laughs) 
it said that her character's name was Carol, which I was excited <laughs> about having another Christmas name. And twice it referred to the snowman boyfriends that she makes as her snow bow. And like once is a pun. Calling it Snowbow twice is promising me they will use the phrase Snowbow <laughs> in a movie. So Hoopla and I are beefing <laughs> because of Hoopla's <laughs> misleading description of the film Snowman. You should write them a letter. The, I hated that the only title drop in this movie was on paper, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I... Um, and I could be wrong, but I don't think we heard what her name was until, like, 20 minutes into the movie. It was deep. I could not have told you what her name was. Yeah, I did not get it. In my notes, I just have blanks for her name. And then suddenly it's like, oh, now it's Sarah. But okay, yeah. So they've been friends basically forever. And they have this tradition where every year, a couple, I guess a couple weeks before Christmas, they get together. It is every year on December 12th. Okay, on the 12th. Which means that since this movie really starts on the night of December 12th, like Cole shows up on December 13th. Which means that Cole is there for the same 12 days of Christmas in which the man in the spirit of Christmas comes back to life. The 12 days leading up to Christmas, which makes me think these movies maybe exist in a cohesive universe in which those 12 days, again, not the 12 days of Christmas, a different 12 days, are full of Christmas magic. Could you write, like, an uh, an long-form essay about this universe and all of the movies that are in it? I'm thinking about selling a listicle to Cracked on all the interconnections between okay, them. Okay, okay. But anyways, the snowman they build every year. Can we, I think we need to start with why, like, why she built the first snowman. You were glossing over the fact that she builds the first snowman to practice making out with the boy she likes. Dean like, Papadopoulos. Pillows exist. This is a thing you that kiss happens your in movies all the time. And I don't know of a single person that did things like that, especially outside. In the middle of the day when everyone's running around, she has built a snowman boyfriend having stolen the hat of a real human that she wants to make out with. And she is planning to kiss this snowman. It was like mean of them to make fun of her and ruin her snowman. But this was a very weird thing for her to do. Okay, it was mean of them to ruin the snowman. It was mean of them to make fun of her to her face. I, You would make fun of this a little oh, bit. for sure. Also, um, do you guys remember when those butterfly clips that she had in her hair, remember when those were a thing? I was delighted <laughs> to see them. Especially just the number that she had in her hair. There's also like, like the third snowman they make, her hair is like hilariously crimped. Yes. I mean, they actually pretty much nail the period costumes in that section. Oh, yeah. So basically, so she builds Snowman Dean, and then Nick comes over and is trying to make her feel better, and he's like, okay, we'll make a new snowman, and they make this new snowman into the guy of Sarah's dreams, and they name it Cole. I'd like, from the beginning, I'm like, little boy, you are clearly in love with this little girl. Don't help her build your snow competition so she can make her, like, snowman Mike Dexter to be in love with instead of being in love with you, a real human boy. Yeah. And so then every year, the snowman they build is Cole, but it is mo- they design it to be whatever her dream guy is that year. We also need to acknowledge that they take a selfie with the snowman every year. And 18 years ago, smartphones did not exist. So little boy Nick just happens to be <laughs> carrying around a disposable camera with which he very quickly takes a selfie. He probably pitched the idea of putting cameras in phones to whoever did it first he was like i always have to carry a disposable camera around wouldn't it be so much easier if it were in my clearly phone? he is not worried about convenience because he takes the selfie with an 
iPad, not a (laughs) smartphone. True. What if his iPad is one of the ones that connects to the cellular network and that is his phone? Then, then he he's a also fool. a menace. <laughs> he needs to he needs to be hunted down and shot with Isabel's crossbow if that is the case. <laughs> um, now that is a character. Yeah. She is the best. She is the most unique character I have seen in a Christmas movie. She really is. We will also have to talk about the accents in this movie because they are all oh, over I the know. place. Especially the boss? Her, like her oh. boss is like Practically Birdemic level performance. She's trying to do a transatlantic Minnesota accent. That is the only way I can describe it. She also just is not a very good performer. I cringed no, every time she spoke. I love it. Living. <laughs> gagged goose. Is her dad slightly Irish? I don't know. Could be. Is her dad gay? Like, <laughs> yes. Her dad and that dude who works in his workshop. Herb. They are hooking up. Yes, they're hooking Herb up. Herb can barely walk. He doesn't need to. Fiona, that has no bearing on whether he can be hooking up with someone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, uh, boy. Well, oh, the rest of point one is we find out that Sarah feels like she's stuck in St. Paul and she will never find love in St. Paul. Which is, she's clearly so, stuck she in St. Paul. She has never left the city limits of St. Paul or Minneapolis. Yeah. I did like that she. This she is like kind in of... Kate and Leopold when Kate had never left Manhattan. Oh gosh, that I is so about much that. more believable because I know some people who moved to New York and then they're like, "I haven't left the city in years." Okay, yeah, but Kate had never left Manhattan. Okay. but she hadn't gone to Brooklyn. I, I did but find it funny how she's kind cities. of like the classic. Christmas movie, career focused, never has time to travel or get out of the city. But usually that city is New York. And for her, it is the Twin Cities, Minnesota. Which the I'm best... sure are perfectly lovely. Sure. I but love I love she Minneapolis. She is desperate to leave. I've but never the been, thing but is, I've heard good things. Every person I know from the upper Midwest, which includes my family members, they will get on the road for 14 hours straight just stopping to pee and go anywhere they can. That is weird that she is still in that city because a normal day trip, like going to the grocery store in Minnesota can take an hour. Like go to Milwaukee, go to Chicago. You can leave the Twin Cities without getting a job doing (laughs) something else. Yeah. Like she has this sense that it is impossible for her to travel anywhere. I did like when she said she'll never find love in St. Paul. Maybe she should try Minneapolis. I just also love that her when she pitches a travel column, her boss is like, that sounds insane. Nobody here cares about that. We are a Twin Cities magazine. Who travels here? Well, actually, I found her boss's argument valid because her boss isn't saying like nobody travels. Her boss is like, we are a Twin Cities Life magazine. We are like the purpose of our magazine is like, Here's what's going on in St. Paul, Minneapolis. So paying somebody to travel around the world and tell us what's going on in other places is outside the scope of this magazine. But think yeah, about I guess the, that is fair. the travel agencies in the Twin Cities would probably love this kind of marketing. Well, they can publish their own <laughs> magazine. Oh. All right, let's move on because we haven't even gotten to the weirdest part of this movie yet. <laughs> And we've covered how weird it is. Oh, we didn't actually address the fact that her coworker brings in elk jerky that she made herself, and her main holiday activity is hunting, and she keeps her crossbow in the office. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Isabel. She's great. Always love seeing a fun redhead in a movie. She just, you know, is taking the world as it comes and does not seem to feel trapped within the limits of the Twin Cities. (laughs) So we find out also that Sarah has just broken up with a guy. 
And it seems like this is a pattern for her. People talk about like her her list, her endless list of exes. Well, yeah, because her buddy Nick draws cartoons of all of her dates. Oh, yeah. Which is a weird thing to do. Like, dude needs to stop obsessing about her. It's been 18 years. Oh, his quote, he says, you keep burning through boyfriends. That's what he says to her. Well, there's a lot of fire metaphors because her dad says she's focused on sparks, not a slow burn. Yes. Yeah, because she is weirdly obsessed with, like, the first moment. Right. And she also, she always keeps saying that, like, her parents were such a high bar. And so she, nothing she's ever experienced has lived up to that. And basically, so they make the the snowman for this year. And she wishes that she will find love in time for Christmas so she can be in love on Christmas. As she does many years, she takes Nick's hat and puts it on the snowman. Yeah. So that's the end of point one. Point, point two. two. Point two is the called snowman. Missing Snowman. Oh. Excuse me, I forgot about the titles. Yeah, I named these. But he's not missing. He's shown up at the front door. Tells us he was born here, which leads us to believe he is the snowman. He's very insistent that he was born, like, here on the property, the snowman that they built. This snowman is 18 years old. Hi. I just thought we'd be passing by when I spotted this. I don't know how to thank you. How about lunch? Sounds good. Cool. Cool. Cool like our snowman, Cole. So, like, that next morning, she kind of tells her dad, like, oh, it's okay. Maybe I won't be in love by Christmas. I will try Minneapolis. And she also said maybe she'll – I loved this. Instead of becoming a cat lady, she's going to become a turtle lady and just start collecting turtles. I love it. I'm very pro-turtle. Very stinky house that would be. Yeah, not great. But so then this is when her dad mentions that he's surprised – that their snowman is gone already. And she's very upset because she thinks that someone knocked down their snowman, just like Dean Papadopoulos knocked down her snowman 18 years ago. And of course, the snowman has her mom's scarf, which had been sitting in a chest for 10 years, and it's the scarf her mom was wearing when her parents met. In Paris. Yeah, so she's on her way outside, and right as she opens the door, there's this handsome young man standing there. Who just says his name is Cole and he would like to take her to lunch. And she says yes. Is he handsome though? No. He's, there's a weird look to him. The movie thinks he's handsome. But he looks like, he looks like a man from a video game. Yeah, he doesn't look real. Like the features are kind of ill-defined. Yeah. He's got like a look of, he's kind of rectangular. Right, that's what I mean. It's like, like a video game from like 2012 when they're, Clearly aiming towards photorealism, but can't get it yet. He's not unattractive, though. No. He's definitely not the, like, least attractive of the leading men. Right. In, like, Christmas movies. In Christmas movies. Yeah, I would say he's better looking than the guy in Christmas Kiss, who looks like Well, that is a a low bar. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And the crazy thing about this this man is that his name is Cole, which is the same name as the snowman. And he says a whole bunch of other weird things that lead Nick to believe that Cole is a social media stalker who has found Sarah, found out everything about her, made up this whole life just to be what Sarah wants. This is a rational explanation. Because what else, what other conclusion is he supposed to come to? This is a snowman <laughs> come to life. I, I love mean, that no one really, we all know no that one when really snowmen fig- come to life, they are in weird suits made by the Henson Company, and they play harmonica. I love that no one actually acknowledges that he is a snowman that came to life in this movie. Right. It's it's never more than strongly implied. Yeah. But along the way, he like insists on going on dates with her. He shows up f- 
for a lunch date with her with a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, yeah. Oh, and this is when then then they finally get to the restaurant and his plate has carrots on it and he looks like he's going to have a heart attack. It's like he's seeing himself on the plate. Yeah. So they are now dating. Like when he drops her back off at work after lunch, he asks if they can go to dinner that same night. So they're now dating. Which is incredibly rude of yeah. her to accept. Because she so, already... Well, so... Yeah. Okay. Okay, so point three I have is the work project. Yeah, so this kind of overlaps. And you don't find it just a little bit strange that this perfect guy happens to breeze into your life and melt in your heart? How long have you been in love with her? Pretty much my whole life. So Sarah has gotten Nick an interview to be an illustrator for her magazine. And her boss puts the two of them together to write a story to take up the whole Christmas edition. So then they make plans to work that night to, like, hash out their story ideas because they have until, they have, like, what, 10 days to get it to the print? Yeah, and dinner is included in those plans. Right, and so they make plans to meet for dinner, and then Sarah's just like, no, nah, nah, I'm not even gonna and tell And doesn't Nick. seem to have told him. Yeah, no. she just like, shows he's up He's clearly late. just been waiting for yeah. her. But this brings us to point three, where they come up with the idea of, like, snowmance of showing it's a bad pitch it's a bad pitch like their proposal is that they would do a feature on like stuff young couples can do in the twin cities at christmas and i'm like first of all young couples cannot be this magazine's target demo it's like families and old people it's 2017 we know who's (laughs) reading magazines also like the stuff they come up with is carriage rides Ice skating, like, we got a regular Woodward and Bernstein here, cracking open what to do during the holidays. You wouldn't not come up with these ideas unless you read Twin City Life. Yeah, I guess the idea is that they have good illustrations to carry them through. Right. It is a thing you could sell in a magazine, but it wouldn't be the cover story, and it wouldn't be go ice skating in Minneapolis. And also then, like... What happens at the end of the movie when he, like, reframes it to be about how they've been making these snowmen together all these years? Like, that's a cute human interest story, but that cannot match the article she wrote. Right. So basically what ends up happening is she and Cole go on this this series of dates in the Twin Cities, and then Nick has to tag along so he can illustrate them, which... He hates because he's in love with Sarah. Because again, no way he could draw a a picture of two people making a snowman unless he was there to watch it happen. But Needed an eyewitness for this one. And this is where we are given more information leading us to believe that Cole is a snowman because she asks, you know, what is his job? And he says, he hesitates and then says, extreme tourism in remote places all over the world, especially polar places. And he also says that, like, the, the name of his company is Extreme Tourism yeah. Company. Yeah. It's he also has very cold hands. Cold hands. He gets very hot outside, hot enough to take off his shirt, as we already mentioned. And he also says that he's from St. Paul and he grew up right there. And she's like, oh, maybe we played together as children. And you see him look at a picture of her and her snowman. And he just says, I'm sure we did. Is she his mom? Ew. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of all this. There's no sense to be made. You were on a fruitless endeavor. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So so we have this project and like 
one of the big tensions for our lead, Sarah, is that she wants to get out of the Twin Cities to lead her big romantic life. But, of course, once you leave the Twin Cities, you can never return. Never, never. Um, oh, another date they do is they go snow sculpting. Yeah, this, frankly, was uncalled for because I liked the snow shark. Yeah, the snow shark was cool. And so... Why they... does he keep... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You go ahead, Mark. Why does he keep calling Nick little guy? Nick is taller than Nick him. Nick is taller than I him. Know. I I don't know why that is. I think... Like, is he trying to be a jerk on purpose, or is he just so clueless? He's a snowman. He doesn't know <laughs> How what... much intent can we break into anything he does? <laughs> yeah. The man at one point is, like, trying to administer CPR to a snowman <laughs> that has been knocked over. <laughs> um... Yeah, so they they start, they say, oh, we're going to make snowmen. And Cole's like, I love snowmen. And he makes this elaborate sculpture of like an angel or something. And then makes fun of Nick's snow shark. But he also tells them that he's never done this before. And he just says, oh, I get snow. I just get it. Yeah, I am snow. And then they go out for ice cream, even though it's 15 degrees. They're not wearing enough clothes for being 15 degrees outside. No, No, none of them are. Unless it's like a thing like how if you're in Florida, maybe you wear a jacket when it's 70. Maybe they wear shorts here when it's 30. All right. I guess this, like, is this part four? No, not yet. There are some other things that I just wanted to point out. Cole doesn't have a permanent address. He's never met his parents. And he always- He's meeting her right he now. He always has to leave town by Christmas. Yeah, these are spirit of Christmas rules. Yeah, I don't really get it. Oh, and then he shows up when uh, Nick and Sarah are at work and they're working on their project and Nick is actually about to profess his love. But then Cole shows up with this weird Norwegian fish thing for them to eat. Oh, it is not Norwegian. I believe. Hold on. Let me confirm this. Oh, wait. No, I was thinking of a different thing. Okay. So it's a Norwegian or just Scandinavian white fish that is dried and salted and then pickled in lye Ugh. oh oh god oh so fiona that's not going to be on the picky eater's guide <laughs> that to... is not on the picky eater's guide to the town oh i was thinking of hakarl which is a uh icelandic dish that like ferments shark Ooh. yuck so anyway um yeah cole keeps interrupting when nick is trying to get close to her right which i guess like if we Part of the thing with this is, like, once we accept, like, the magic of the snowman coming to life, then, like, presumably, the snowman is here to help her find love. But he cannot be the object of love because he's a snowman. So I guess his, like, magical task is to get her to fall in love with Nick. But he's got to stop it from happening too soon, like, until she's on board with it as well. Is that the case? No, he's going to be her love. Yeah, I think he thinks he's the answer. I think he thinks he's the answer. But, like, my assumption was that the magic of it somehow would not allow that. So, like, as I'm watching the movie, what I thought was going to happen is he takes her to Paris, and then Nick goes after her, and then she and Nick meet in Paris and have a meeting like her parents did. Oh. But does, See, that would be a better movie. Well, yeah, I <laughs> my brain working ahead came up with a better movie than Snowmats because I was watching Snowmats. <laughs> so do you think he is aware of this fact or do you think he's kind of clueless and dumb and thinks it's him but then the magic on its own will stop him? Yeah, I think he is like an automaton just following the unseen instructions of Christmas magic. Okay. Okay. All right. Are we on p- point four now? Yes, we are now at point four. 
Why are you trying to ruin my relationship with Cole? Because I've been in love with you since the fifth grade. You're not the only one waiting for wish to come true. So... Cole plans a surprise for Sarah. He gets her to go home and we find out that Dean Papadopoulos is there and he either wants to buy or be a, is he a realtor trying to sell the house? or He's, he's a realtor. He's, okay. And he's already been pitching the house around town, which is very upsetting to Sarah. This is her family's house. She grew up here, but she also- It's weird that she's the owner of it for some yeah, reason. I'm not sure and not her dad. That happens. Yeah. Again, so like the plan- where is the dad gonna go if she sells the house? He's gonna live with Herb. Well, yes, he can live with Herb. They have a happy life together. This is part of the thing of like where Cole is a dummy is I don't think he has processed the fact that this would have any effect on her dad's life because Cole is not capable of thinking through the consequences of any action. I mean, that's fair. He exists only in the moment. Also, as far as he knows, life is only 12 days long. True. He also has a second surprise for her. He has bought her a flight to Paris. And right. it's unclear, I, like, I think it's unclear how long he's expecting her to go there. He's trying to help her get out of the Twin Cities, get a new job. He tells her to quit her job, but in the end, it turns out- He also does pitch, like, you can go to Paris for a right. week. Well, like, which is what they end up- He is the up- first person to speak to her rationally about how vacation works. Right. They end up agreeing to go for a week, but he also did suggest that she just quit her job and go to Paris. But at first, she's, like, pretty hesitant. She doesn't really want to miss Christmas at home. Meanwhile, Nick and Sarah's dad are talking in the other room. And her dad is like, yeah, I was always rooting for you. It really should be you. But you just sit here doing nothing. You should stand up for yourself and tell her how you feel. And this is one of those cases where he's about to confess his love and Cole comes in. Right. Oh, and she comes back and is like, I'm going to France with Cole. Right. That's... When he basically is like, I can't do this anymore. Goodbye forever. Right. So he says he can't do the the project for work anymore. They can't hang out anymore. And they are no, not speaking to each other now. He does say a nice thing like, I am very happy to see you happy, but I can't just like be the sidecar to this forever. Right. Which is fair. Yeah. So then- It is a very reasonable response. Yeah. So then he leaves. He leaves, but then he goes to the park and he see- this is where he sees Cole like talking to a snowman. And they get in a fight for some reason. Yeah, Nick goes over and kind of instigates the fight and then he destroys the snowman, which is when Cole then tries to give it CPR. And then they have a snowball fight. And this is when Nick or Cole calls Nick a murderer and says he's going to call the police because of this dead snowman. And then the police do show up. And, like, break up the fight and somehow call Sarah, even though it is a snowball fight. I feel like the cops would not get involved. And this is when Nick finally explicitly says he is in love with Sarah. Because she asks him, why are you trying to ruin this relationship that I have? And she doesn't understand why he never said anything before. And he says he's tried, but she's always just been obsessed with her idea of what a perfect man is in her snowman. And then he kind of asks, you know, like, okay, after you go to Paris, what are you in Cole? And she says, soulmates. <laughs> I read his heart line. Oh, gosh. And I saw the truth. He does tell her that, you know, that when she makes her wish every Christmas, he also makes a wish. And his wish is that she'll finally realize he's in love with her. Yeah, he really well, should have moved out a while ago. Yeah, yeah, this is no good. This is... 18 years too long. All right. The movie kind of races through the last 20 minutes. It really does. Yeah. So Sarah's going to go to Paris. She also finds out that her boss did offer her a job as a travel writer, and she'll also be the lead writer for her magazine. Which is just weird because it has only been like six days. Right. Yeah, they haven't even published the story. They don't know how it will like track. 
Right. They have not yet published the one story that has been involved since that conversation. And again, a story that's like, looking for something to do at Christmas? Build a snowman! What a novel idea. Go ice skating! A real surprise pick for people in Minnesota. (laughs) Okay, so then we're at point five, basically. Are you really going to try and convince me that you don't have any feelings for him? I don't know. I just want you to be sure that what you're feeling is more than romance. Where wishes come true. So it's the, the it's Christmas Eve. She's getting ready to go to the airport. We find out that Nick actually did send pictures to the magazine for this uh, for the story. But it's like a different story. Like this cannot match the article she wrote. Right, but he did draw pictures, and they are pictures of the two of them and their lives, like their whole lives together, basically. And he leaves a gift at her house, and it is an iPad with these pictures on it. And it focuses in particular on, like, the snowmen they have made over the Right, so she's looking at this in the car on the way to the airport, and she tells Cole she's got to get out of the car. She realizes that Cole is great, but... She, But he is a snowman, <laughs> except she doesn't realize that. No person ever fully acknowledges that this is a snowman. Yeah, even Nick, who's suspicious, doesn't think he's a snowman, just thinks he's Why would sketchy. you? <laughs> right, no, I'm not saying they should jump to that conclusion. I would just have appreciated if the movie reckoned with this. <laughs> yeah, that is very fair. Yeah, she comes out, Nick is walking down the street, he now has her mother's scarf this actually i kind of liked it's a nice inversion of the dad saw the mom walking through the streets with the scarf now she's seeing nick walking down with the scarf and she's like it's always been you and they make out and cole gives like a wink and then climbs into the car and drives off (laughs) and they agree that they need a new christmas tradition with no more coals and then the snowman reappears on the lawn (laughs) with sparkly eyes gross (laughs) so fiona do you find the romance of snowman's believable I find it believable that she could come to realize that her lifelong friend maybe is more than a friend and she could end up with him. It's even plausible that she could realize that... After dating an out-of-towner? After dating some new yeah. man. Yes. But I think this movie takes place over too short a time frame. Yes. Yeah. For the kind of revelations that she is coming to and the depth of the relationship with Cole. How deep is her relationship with Cole? She gets way too invested in Cole. She is really She's like infatuated. Yeah. It's much too fast. Every week we rate the believability of a movie's romance on a 10 point scale. This is like a six for me. Yeah. I was leading towards like a five. I think I would go five as well. Maybe five and a half. Because yeah, I agree with Fiona that like the ultimate arc of the Sarah Nick romance is believable, but- like, the time frame is a big problem here, especially. Yeah. yeah. So, do we think that Nick and Sarah will stay together? I think they will. I mean, they've known each other this long. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> they probably will. Do we think that any of our three, Nick, Sarah, or Cole, is dateable? If Nick wasn't so weird about Sarah, I feel like he would be dateable. I think yeah, he's Nick the most dateable. dateable of the three of them. Easily. Cole is a snowman. Correct. Like, yes. I know that Sarah did not get to successfully kiss the first Cole, but you've got to think, like, everything we know about how cold he is, he's also going to be, like, cold to kiss, for example. Like, think how weird that would be. Right. Yeah, that would be very odd. And Sarah is, like, too hung up on the spark situation. Yeah. Yeah. Even if she agreed to keep dating you, it would be exhausting the amount of pressure she put on for that kind of thing. Yeah, it would be rough. All right, so if you did have to choose one person in this movie to date, who would you choose? 
Isabel, easy. I think, no Yeah, question. I think Isabel. Yeah, there's not a lot of other options. No. I want her to give me some elk jerky, and we could just, like, have a good redhead hangout. Yeah, because, like, who else would it be? The boss? The snowman? No, yeah. I can't I can't. The boss with voice. the terrible accent and performance. And again, this is not, like, her real accent. This is an actor putting on a terrible accent. Yeah, it is bad. The dad's not a terrible choice. No. Yeah. But Isabel's there. So, like, right. Now, many of the films that we have watched for this podcast have been adapted into stage musicals. And Fiona, you in particular, I was wondering whether you thought there should be a Snowman's musical. Maybe, like, I like the idea of a musical about a snowman coming to life. It's called Frosty the Snowman, <laughs> and it has existed for about 50 <laughs> You're years. Right. You're right. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. Yeah, so then, yes, indeed, there should be. Wait, so yes, there should be a Snowman's musical? That's where you landed? <laughs> Well, I think this would have a different audience because this is more for romance, I guess. No, I think Frosty is all we need. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we absolutely do not need more of Snowman's, this weird thing that makes very little sense about a snowman who comes to life, tries to do CPR on other snowmen. <laughs> like, that's the weird thing is that, like, he has clearly changed in meaningful ways, but he doesn't seem to recognize the difference between himself in this form and normal snowmen. Yeah. Does this mean all snowmen are sentient? Like, do all snowmen have consciousness? He's just the one who has transformed and can express it? I, f- I think I it's implied. It kind is. of implied, yeah, to be I honest. Yeah, I think that's the case. At what point does the snowman gain consciousness? Like, does all snow have memory, to borrow a phrase from Frozen 2? Or, like, is it when I put the balls on top of each other? Does it not have consciousness until it has a face? I have so many questions about snowmance, a movie I don't actually want to think about that much. (laughs) Maybe it's when they're needed. Like, they just sit there waiting and then it's like, oh, we've got a job for someone who's up. This is weird. It's a weird movie. I think I'm not going to crack this. No, I don't think anyone can crack this. All right. I think we can admit defeat and move on to next week. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next week, it's the week of Christmas. We're doing a a classic Christmas romance. We're looking at the Santa Claus 2. Love it. The one with Mrs. Claus. That's right. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular help other people to find the show. All right, Fiona, last question. Yes. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? You should illustrate all of your lover's past relationships. Gross. <laughs> not like in a gross Imagine. way. Not in a gross way. You just, just pointed out how bad it is. To remind them how bad it what they were. And then draw really nice pictures. This is weirdly manipulative. Of the two of you. So they'll remember how nice you are. Mm. I didn't care for that. Uh, um, are you telling me that there is something better in this film? I mean, if you want to play sure. it straight, you got to wait 18 years before you confess your love or else it's not going to work. You need to be honest about your feelings, even if that means being honest with yourself about the need to move on. Okay, what about for mine, we skip the drawings of the bad people and you just draw the nice pictures just to like, it's like a trip down memory lane. Yeah, that would be a normal <laughs> that piece would of be much better. advice. Okay, that's my piece of advice. All right, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye! magic in that old silk hat they found. For when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. 